Welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with me, Susie Chase. I'm Patty Himich, and my latest cookbook is Mexican Today. As I flipped through Mexican Today, it became clear to me how many threads there are in the colorful tapestry we call Mexican food. Tell us a little bit about your new cookbook. Mexican Today is how I feel about Mexican cooking and cuisine as it stands today. So there are two veins running through the cookbook. There's the traditional recipes, you know, the recipes that continue to be passed on from generation to generation since centuries ago that I have so much respect, you know, to and and they're fabulous. But there's also new spins and new ways of using Mexican ingredients and trying Mexican flavors. So you have both the traditional and the modern. And I feel like that is what is going on south of the border but also north of the border. Um, So it's like a reflection of where Mexican food stands today, and I think it breaks a lot of myths. You know, many people think of Mexican food as difficult to make or having, you know, 50 ingredients. And and most of Mexican food, at least the food that we Mexicans eat in our kitchens, is easy, accessible, you know, home style, very good for sitting down on a Wednesday night and putting it together in an hour or so. So there is a misconception that Mexican food is laborious. For an example, tell us how easy it is to make tortillas at home. It is very easy because, you know, it used to be that in order to make corn tortillas, you needed to pick your corn, dry it, you know, shave it off the cob, and then you'd have to soak it with slaked lime for 24 to 48 hours, then peel the hard head off, and then grind it into masa. But also, you can find masa harina, which makes it as easy as mixing the corn flour, you know, for the masa with water. So you really have masa in, you know, 10 seconds. And to make the tortillas, all you need is a it's a surface that will heat. It can be a command, it can be a griddle, it can be a skillet, or you need is a little bit of patience. But if you don't want to make corn tortillas at home, you can also find fabulous tortillas at the store because there's more and more brands that are, you know, trying to cater to a growing demand. I know most of us have an idea about Mexican food, very cheesy, lots of beef, pork, etc. Can you talk about how the Mexican diet was predominantly vegetarian before the Spanish arrived? Yes, absolutely. So before the Spanish arrived, and here we're talking, you know, before the 1500s, the native diet was based mostly on vegetables, fruits, grains, lots of seeds. And once the Spanish arrived, they're the ones who brought the pork and the lard and the cows and the milk products. And, of course, you know, the intermarriage of native Mexican and European is what makes traditional uh, food today. But there's a universe of dishes and sauces that are made, that are very healthy and are seed and plant and fruit-based. How does the cuisine change, let's say, uh, in northern Mexico versus southern Mexico? So 
that is one fascinating question, Susie, because I think regional Mexican food is as smart and distinct as, say, when you think about Italian food. So in Mexico, you some people say there's five different regional cuisines. Some people say there are as many as there are states. But some people like me say that there are countless because even within a state, say Michoacán, have four or five different, very different regional cuisines within the state. Now, generally speaking, the food from the north of Mexico tends to have a lot of meat. There's a lot of cattle, a lot of ranches, a lot of milk and cheese and jocote, you know, lots of milk-cultured uh, products. And instead of using corn tortillas, the north uses flour tortillas a lot more and gigantic flour tortillas. So you really, I mean, it's really an adventure when you travel throughout Mexico and you're eating the food. There's some pillars that stand and withhold no matter where you go in Mexico. There's going to be salsa, there's going to be tacos, there's going to be enchiladas, you know, there's going to be beans and lots of vegetables, but the personality of the food radically changes. Let's talk about poblanos, an easy pepper to find at every grocery store. What are some different ways to cook them? Oh, my gosh, so many things you can do with poblanos. I think poblanos are my favorite fresh chili. They, for many reasons, one of them being that the chili poblano really shows how Chilies are not only ingredients that are going to give you heat or spice. I mean, chilies are vegetables with a ton of personality, and the poblano chili, you can use it to, you know, you can stuff it, you can make poblanos, you know, chile rellenos, you can use it as a vegetable when you turn them into rajas, you can puree them and turn, you know, the puree of the poblano chili with cream or milk into the most delicious bechamel sauce. There's, you know, they're full of vitamin C and vitamin A, and they're just an incredible ingredient. Now, they do need a little bit of coaxing, just like red bell peppers, you know, for Italian cooking. Poblano chiles are usually roasted and peeled before using, and that brings about their inner virtues. Their, most of their flavor, their personality comes out. So it's one fascinating ingredient that I'm sure is going to become a staple in most kitchens here in the U.S. Now, when you roast a poblano, is is there any time when it gets too black? Because I find the blacker it gets, the easier it is to peel. Yes. Yeah. So usually I say, I use the metaphor of the s'mores. You know, when you're charring or roasting marshmallows for s'mores, you want the outside to be charred and, you know, practically to go almost black, but you still want the inside to be transformed, but you don't want it burned. So what you want when you're roasting or charring the poblanos is for the outside and the skin to be completely charred, you know, almost entirely black. And that, when you're roasting it under the broiler, 10 minutes does it, you know. And you can also use the grill. But you know the chilies are ready when all of the skin is almost, you know, black or charred. 
And when it doesn't look fresh anymore, it has to be cooked, and the skin has to be very, very soft. And then you put them inside of a plastic bag or in a bowl and cover them with plastic wrap. And that makes the roasted chili sweat. Oh. And the moment you take them out, yeah, and but only for like 10 minutes or so. And when you take them out of the bag, you can take the, the entire skin of the chili off in one swipe. It's that easy. That's a great tip. I've always tried yes. to take it off and, my, and I burn my fingers because I'm doing well. It's still hot. <laughs> yeah, no, you have to you have to make them sweat because okay. if you put them in a plastic bag or a container and they sweat, then the skin on its own gets released from the chili. And so you just have to peel it right off. It's very easy. So there are distinct differences in our American regional Mexican dishes. Can you describe a couple of the differences like Tex Mex, how it's different from Baja or New York Mex? Of course, of course, and I think that is also a fascinating topic, and I think it has to do with who are the Mexicans that are establishing where. So, for example, in New York, most of the Mexicans in New York being from Puebla. Puebla has a very unique regional cuisine. You know, they use a lot of jalapenos and chiles anchos and a lot of spices. It's a little bit of a Baroque cuisine. It's really delicious. And when when Poblanos get to New York, then they start mixing their technique and their ingredients with the ingredients of their new home, which they grow to love and they grow to get to know. And then you get to have one peculiar style of Mexican cooking, which is very different from, say, the food in Los Angeles, where you have... You know that many Mexicans come from Zacatecas, and Zacatecas is northern Mexican food at its best. You know, it's much more simple, a lot of grilled things, a lot of open tacos, and then it mixes with what, you know, people find in in California. And then as the generations move on, those recipes and those foods keep on getting updated and adapted. And so... You have this beautiful, you know, just growth of more and more different kinds of regional Mexican dishes. Congratulations on your two nominations for James Beard Awards and Emmy Awards for your PBS series, Patty's Mexican Table, going on its fifth season. What's in store for this season? Thank you so much, Susie. When I first heard the news, I thought somebody was pranking me. (laughs) So... This season, I go to the Yucatan Peninsula, and I really dive into the Maya world. You know, in talking about regional cuisine in Mexico, the Yucatan is the most distinct. It's the most unique. Because of its geographic isolation historically and the population, you know, the Yucatan has mostly mostly Maya population which was very different from the rest of the population when the Spanish arrived. So if you combine that the native indigenous group was very different from the rest of the country, and then it has this geographic isolation, and then it has a different geography, you know, it has different fruits and vegetables and animals. So the way that Mexican food evolved in the Yucatan is really unique. It uses a lot of bitter orange a lot of charred ingredients, a lot of anato seeds, you know, the achiote paste, 
they have their own seasoning concoctions. And so this season I jumped into a Yucatan Peninsula and I go to three different states and it's a lot more travel and on the road. And I absolutely adore the production company that I work with because they're very open to being 100% spontaneous. There's nothing scripted. We just, you know, we know we want to go meet certain cooks or go to certain markets or try and find certain dishes. And then they go and explore with me. And, and I think season five is really an incredible season. I'm very excited about it. Do you think food can bring people together in this crazy political environment? Oh, my gosh. A hundred percent, Susie. And, and I'm so happy that I switch careers from being a political analyst, there is no better place for people to come together. There is no better place and no better way for people to understand each other and to admire what each has to bring to the table. I really think that Mexicans and Mexican culture and Mexican cuisine bring a lot to the American table, and I think it enriches it in a beautiful way. And I think that by sharing, you know, the food, we show the links between communities and towns and people. And, you know, at the end, we are all what we choose to put on our plate. And I think that Mexico and Mexicans bring a lot of flavor to, to the American table. At least we're bringing more variety and more richness. And what once was the evolution of Italian cooking, I think, in the U.S., I think you can now see it with Mexican food. So Saturday night for dinner, I made your recipe for steak and guacamole tortas on page 75. <laughs> I love those pepitos. They were so easy for a weekend meal. Now, how did they get the name pepitos? So that, that's a great question. Nobody knows. You know, <laughs> the, name, <laughs> the name Pepe is the endearing way to call anybody whose name is Jose. And you can just imagine how many Jose's are in Mexico. Um, so Pepe is for the people who are called Jose, and then Pepito is a very endearing way to call the Pepe's. And, you know, some people have tried to come up with the idea that the Pepito was invented by a man named Pepito. There is no proof of that. And it's just a torta that has been very popular for decades and decades, Susie, since I was a little girl. It is standard fare in many Mexican fondas and coffee shops. You can find it in a large size, as I make it in my book, or you can find it as a mini size with little, like, mini tiny baguettes or teleras. And as you saw, it's very easy. You marinate your meat, you heat your refried beans, and then you just, you know, grill your meat or boil it, and then you put the guacamole, the meat, the cheese, the, the bread, and anybody can customize their pepito as they would like. And it's just, you have a, an entire meal in a torta. Where can we find you on the web? You can find me on www.pattychinich.com. So spell patty, P-A-T-I. So some people spell it double T-Y. Thank you, Patty, P-A-T-I, so much for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. Thank you so much, Susie. Thank you for having me on.